Coming up on this edition of Fast Talk, we'll hear in-depth interviews with Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and Bubba Wallace. Plus, we'll talk about the topic of Kevin Harvick's retirement. And NASCAR has some leftover miles. What are they going to do with them? All of that on this edition of Fast Talk. Hi, I'm Doug Rice. I'll be joined by PRN's own Brad Gilley and David Stiles. It's Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. Presented by Toyota. Let's go places. And by Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Is it the best Coke ever? Try it today. Now, here's the host of Fast Talk, Doug Rice. Each and every week, the group here at the Performance Racing Network gets together and pontificates about the happenings in the world of NASCAR. And this week is no exception. I'm joined by Brad Gilley and David Stiles this week. And there's a lot on the plate. Guys, we'll talk about recent history. As of this past weekend, NASCAR inducted its 2023 Hall of Fame class. Matt Kenseth gets in along with Kurt Shelmerdine, longtime crew chief for Dale Earnhardt. And in the pioneer category, Herschel McGriff finally crosses the Rubicon and makes it into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm going to go around on each one of these individually here before we wrap this discussion up. Brad, uh, Matt Kenseth, thoughts on him getting in? Guy, guy had a nice career and gets his Hall of Fame ring at the age of 50. Not bad. Not bad at all. Hey, look, for Matt Kenseth, everything stacks up for him. Not only just the number of wins at 38, uh, the fact that he is a champion of the sport, the fact that some of his wins were some of the biggest races in the sport that we have, including his first one, which you were able to broadcast on PRN, his Coca-Cola 600 victory back in the year 2000. But uh, in addition to that, he won a couple of Daytona 500s and pretty much just about every big race along the way. I think career-wise, Matt Kenseth has done everything to not only earn a seat in the Hall of Fame, but to get it on the first ballot. Big favorite in the Midwest, Wisconsin guy makes good, David Stiles. Yeah, and I mean, when you have a driver like Matt Kenseth who wins a championship in 2003 and only wins one race at Las Vegas, but he has 11 top fives, 25 top tens, and then led only 354 laps where we've seen Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. lead more laps in a single race than he led in an entire year, and he still wins a championship and fundamentally change the way that we go after championships now it's no wonder he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, they changed the point system after he won because he only won one race the year he won the title. They call it the Matt Kenseth rule. And in a lot of ways, Matt Kenseth led us to where we are with the way that we decide the championship now. Brad, let's go to Kurt Shelmerdine, four-time championship crew chief with uh, none other than Dale Earnhardt. You know, again, for him, nearly 50 wins as a crew chief, four championships as a crew chief. Uh, the fact that what they were doing back during that era with the Flying Aces pit crew and everything that they did were really changing the game in the sport and, and paving the way for uh, a lot of things that brought us into the era that we're in today. Um, I have long felt that the crew chief role and the mechanic role has been way underserved in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And to think that if a driver had put up those numbers, they would have been in the Hall of Fame uh, much longer ago. I am happy that Kirk Shamardine was finally honored, even after falling off of the voting ballot for a year or two as well. But I think it's great that he's in there. I think the numbers speak for themselves. And without question, a big-time Hall of Famer in our sport. I hope we see more guys like Kirk Shamardine get in. And being tied to Dale Earnhardt Sr., it's no wonder. I mean, championships in 86, 87, 90, and 91. 
And in his speech at the Hall of Fame, when he was, you know, they announced that he was going to be inducted, he said, I was there when the heroes of the sport were reigning. But he says, I also remember when the legends were coming up as well. So very humble uh, man with Kurt Shel- uh, Shelmerdine to get in. And so it's just, I'm like Brad, I'm happy to see him go in. Uh, Well-deserved. Thrilled for him, had a chance to chat with Kurt. Wish he had a chance to have stayed as a crew chief. He went off on an ill-fated journey to try and drive and was was just not successful. Never caught traction, never got to that level of proficiency as a driver. But he had, had to answer that call because as a, a young man, that's what he always wanted to do. And he kind of fell into the crew chief role, but he always wanted to be a driver. And that's where he spent the second half of his career. But uh, now a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Brad, you and I have talked a lot about Herschel McGriff over the years. He has had a ardent uh, support of the West Coast media, and he finally gets awarded with a ring and a spot in the Hall of Fame. You know, Herschel McGriff is a guy that numbers-wise, I just don't see him as a Hall of Famer. Uh, Four race wins, and he did it all in one year. Contribution to NASCAR-wise, however, and you look at uh, what Herschel McGriff was able to do out on the West Coast for stock car racing, I think goes a long way. And obviously the folks on the West Coast have a huge passion for him. And uh, I was not necessarily a proponent of Herschel McGriff getting into the Hall of Fame. After talking to people on the West Coast and talking to people who are around when Herschel was still racing, and by the way, he had a really long career. Let's just say when he was racing in his prime, uh, then you understand why a lot of people feel like Herschel McGriff should be a a Hall of Famer. And I think you probably had to live on the West Coast to sort of understand truly what his contribution was to stock car racing. I mean, when he was 22, he won the Pan American race in Mexico. And then they took that Oldsmobile 88, drove it from Mexico back back to Oregon. And then Bill France asked him to come to Darlington. He drove that Oldsmobile 88 to Darlington, raced in the inaugural Southern 500, and came in ninth. And that's pretty good considering the number of cars they started. And they started three abreast in that race. And the fact that it was also doubling as his passenger car. He also ran twice at Le Mans and had a fifth-place finish in the Daytona 500. And the year that he ran NASCAR Cup racing before he took 10 years off to go run a sawmill, the last race he won that year, was at the legendary North Wilkesboro Speedway. And congratulations to Mike Helton for being named the Landmark Award winner. Guys, we've talked a lot about drivers and what their plans are. We finally know now that Kevin Harvick is going to retire as a driver. And he says when he retires, he's done. No no one-offs, no this, no that. Now, he may show up and run late model races and other things, but he is done with NASCAR Cup racing. Brad, when I say the name... Kevin Harvick, what what pops into your head? What's the first thing that comes into your cerebellum? Fierce competitor. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he was thrown into the Cup Series. He already had a plan to get to the Cup Series, and that changed uh, when Dale Earnhardt died on February 18th, 2001. And for him to immediately hit the ground running and that very first season that he had, uh, not only did he get the first win early at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which was such just a special win and uh, and sort of part of the healing process throughout the sport after Dale Earnhardt's death, but he also ended up finishing top 10 in the standings after missing the Daytona 500, not running in that race, um, which was kind of unheard of at that time to actually miss an event, still finish top 10. He was ninth. He won a championship in the Xfinity Series that same season as well, went on to win another Xfinity championship, combining efforts with his own KHI team 
team and Richard Childress Racing. In fact, I remember the night he clinched that at Charlotte Motor Speedway very, very early on, um, you know, uh, in the season, I will say, early on compared to where it was toward the end of the season. But finally got the Cup Series title the first year that he moved over to uh, Stuart Haas Racing. And uh, 60 wins and counting. All the big wins on the schedule, the Brickyard 400, the Coca-Cola 600, the Daytona 500, the NASCAR All-Star Race, the Bristol Night Race, you name it. Kevin Harvick has done all of those things, but he's done it because he has been such a fierce competitor all the way through. And at 47, he's still that way. All right, David Stiles, Kevin Harvick, big name that won't be back next year. It's strange because we've had a couple of big names step away already. Kurt Busch um, in that group for me as well. And Kevin Harvick started racing in the Cup Series when I was 10 years old. So he has been a fixture in this series almost as long as I've been alive. It's funny. This makes me feel like Cro-Magnon, man. But myself and Mark Garrow were in Atlanta when he won that yeah. dramatic race after filling in for the late Dale Earnhardt. And it was such a mixture of emotions. You kind of wanted to cry because of everything that conjured up, but you were so happy. And none of us knew at the time that this is going to be the start of another Hall of Fame career. And that's just that's just a matter of paperwork for Kevin Harvick. Coming up on the show, we've got some nice in-depth interviews for you. First up will be uh, Kevin Harvick that we just talked about. A little bit later on, NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, drops in. And we'll visit with Bubba Wallace. After that, we will have green flag, black flag, and chat about what NASCAR is going to do with their 200 extra miles they've got laying around this season. All that coming up here on Fast Talk. Hey, Packrat, yeah, you. Are you moving cross-country and you just don't know who to call? Call us right now. Listen, you've probably seen one of our containers in your neighborhood, but did you know that we can help you move anywhere in the United States? It's real simple. We'll drop a container off at the location you tell us to bring it to. You pack up your valuable possessions at your leisure. They stay safe right in your home. And when you're ready, call us. We'll come and pick up the container and give you a scheduled date of when your furniture and the other possessions will be at your new home. So if you're moving across country or across town, be a Pack Rat. Join the Pack Rat family. Call Pack Rat right now for your free quote. See y'all later, Pack Rats. 800-876-3515. That's 800-876-3515. I'm Matt DiBenedetto, and you're listening to Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. For anybody that thought these guys weren't going to be professional and work together, we're wrong because they did exactly that on Sunday. The better that car does, the better recruiting tool that is for the next driver to come into that car, whether it's somebody coming up from their Xfinity program or it's a free agent. It really just felt like this year especially, it was a matter of when and not if it was going to happen. It was just like, okay, they just need to catch the right brakes, and they've been doing that. The O'Reilly Auto Parts Pit Reporters on the Performance Racing Network. The grassroots is where the hometown heroes of Friday and Saturday nights are and where the future stars of NASCAR are made. First career win for James Friesen of the Tass Racing Sportsman Series. From Eldora to Knoxville, Jennerstown to Lawrence County. Follow PRNs at the track on Twitter and hear PRNs at the track each week on broadcast radio stations, the free PRN app, or at goprn.com. PRNs at the track. 
relentless passion for grassroots racing. Welcome back to Fast Talk. It is our pleasure to be chatting with Kevin Harvick, always one of the outstanding interviews on every NASCAR production day. First of all, thanks for your time and being here. You made a major announcement that this will be your last season full-time in a NASCAR Cup Series car. Is there a sense of relief now that that's, that's done and you've announced that? Yeah, well... For sure, a, a sense of relief just because of the fact that we've been planning it for a while. I think it's really important to make sure that, that we try to do this year as correctly as possible, tell as many stories as possible throughout you know, the different markets that we go into that might be fun for the fans and the racetracks and us on the team and, and just go down memory lane a little bit. And So planning all of that, whether it's with, with special paint schemes or uh, throwback helmets or whatever the case is having a plan around all that has taken a lot of time and you know I think um, you know Tony's experiences going through his his last year and the way that he did things and really with the PR team and the marketing team and everybody that went through that with him has been very helpful for me to kind of say hey you know he wishes you would have done this or you should have done that should have done this and and that's really how we formulated the, the plan to announce everything before the season so that we could get all the questions and uh, have a plan of what we wanted to do and merchandise and the fans would have proper time to, to plan to come to the races, your family, your friends, and, and gave the team and the sponsors uh, all, all time to, uh, to have a plan at the end of 2023. Right, speaking of that, uh, total true story. So I was at Texas Motor Speedway last week and on Thursday I was coming back from lunch Lady walks into the Speedway Club building. That's where the ticket office is now. And I think she's a postal employee. And, and you could tell she was going up to get her tickets. And she was kind of nervously excited, like an Uber fan. She came there that day because she heard your announcement that morning. I mean, that literally made her decide, I need to go to the racetrack. I need to get my tickets now. So I know that at the end of September, I'm going to get to see Kevin Harvick race. Yeah. Well, that's really – that was really the focus of of the plan and, and marcus smith was was really one of the people that that brought the the fans to the forefront to say hey i know you may not think it's a big deal but it is a big deal from a racetrack perspective from a fan perspective and i think you'll be surprised in in you know how the the reception of uh, of and this is and how this is received from the from the fans and the tracks and the people and just Hearing that and understanding that and talking to our team of, of people and, and trying to wrap your arms around being okay with, okay, you're going to put yourself out there a little bit to say, hey, we're going to retire, but we're going to run the whole year and knowing that it's okay to let your guard down and say, okay, they're coming to, to celebrate. They're coming to be a part of the things that you've done. They're coming in, in all the best um, – you know, with the, with the best intentions of, of coming to the racetrack and they want to see you race again. And for me, that was hard to wrap my arms around because I never want to put myself out there to, to be cocky or arrogant or brag about the things that I've done. So I had to, I had to somewhat let my arms, my guard down a little bit because of the fact that Marcus wasn't the only one that said that. And, 
And there are so many people that, that had said that. And I said, okay, I need to, I need to really just kind of step back and say, okay, just be okay with it. And, and understand that you have a lot of great fans that have watched you for a number of years. You have a lot of people that have come to the racetrack and worked on your cars and, and, um, but that was hard for me because I never like to talk about stats or wins or um, do anything that sounds arrogant about or brag about the things that we've done because I just, you know, I don't, I don't like to do that. Keeping that in mind, you are one of the very few people, though, that has touched all the bases as far as winning all the big races. I mean, there's a Brickyard 400, there's a Daytona, there's a Southern 500, there's a Coke 600. That's, that's pretty elite company, Kevin. I know you don't like to brag yeah. on yourself, but well, I think it's it's also made me step back and for the first time and really look at everything and say, okay, is is this really the right time to do that? And, and hearing all these, the answer to to all those questions of, is it the right time? And hearing the responses about the fans and the people and the racetracks and everybody that's involved allowed me to kind of step back and, and really say, okay. Look at the things that, that we've been able to accomplish as, as, as we've gone through the years. Look at the scenarios that you've been able to, to succeed in. Uh, look at the amount of races that you've won, the championships, and, and all the things that we've been fortunate to accomplish and, and the things that it's given you in life in general. Is, you know, racing has given me a, a great life. And, and so it's, it's important for me to step back, let my guard down, and enjoy the, all those things as well and, and enjoy the fact that you know, just a kid from Bakersfield that you know, hoping for a dream one day to go out and race a car for a living and you turn it into a job and, and we're able to, to really go out and, and be successful at it. So let's enjoy it and, you know, have fun with it. And, and that's what we're going to do. You said one of your interviews that you, you, you knew in talking to people that you just know when the time was right. But when did you know? Well, I didn't really think we'd make it to 2023. I really thought 2022 would would be the end of it but you know I think as as we got halfway through the year it was too late um, and I think COVID really bought me a couple years because the kids didn't go to school um, we didn't really have to do anything we went to the racetrack and we raced and there was a lot less responsibility that came along with with the job so it was really easy you know for those for those couple couple years of COVID so the conversation really started five years probably prior to this, you know, at the end of my, I guess it would have been 2018 or 2019, uh, you know, whether that was the right time. And there was just nothing. Before a nine-win season. Yeah, there was just really nothing that pointed to this is a good idea and it's the right time. Kids were all still, still super young. So this this particular time around, the conversations were, were a lot more serious. And, and I just – you know, I have so much stuff going on outside of the race car. Uh, Keelan's racing takes a tremendous amount of time to, to properly plan racing all over the world and, and all the things that, that he has going. And, and I see the difference that it makes, whether it's with uh, Piper and Keelan at home when I'm there. It's, I mean, they're in school. They're, they're homeschooled. So, you know, if something's not going right or um, if you're at the racetrack with Keelan, just the, 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 the amount of, of things that he – faster that he learns so much faster while I'm there and being able to push the the people that are around him and and so you know I think personally for my kids and and um, Delana I think it was just there's a lot to manage at at home so I just needed some more I needed more flexibility I'm still going to be busy and still going to be a part of this sport in, in a big way 
but I needed to be able to say, okay, today I can, I can do this and get out of that. Stepping out of that competitive mindset is very difficult to do because you're so entrenched in it on a day-to-day basis that pulling the plug on something like this affects a lot of people. And, you know, there's a lot of employees that are going to have to make career decisions of what they want to go do now that have been on our team, um, you know, for, for a decade. So there's just a, with the sponsors, the, the, the employees, and, and uh, all the people that work for us and the things that we've had to change to position ourselves for post-business. Um, so there's just, there's so many things that, it, that you, have to, you have to be respectful of, of, of so many different things. And the only way to do that right was to just do it for a whole year. You came into this, as far as Cup Series racing, in the most unorthodox manner ever. And you've progressed through all this, championship, all these wins. And in the last few years, Kevin Harvick's evolved into a spokesperson, it seems like, in the garage area. You talk about safety. You talk about rules and scoring changes. How proud of you are that role that you're in now in the sport? Well, I, I, I love the guys that I, that I race against. And... and when you look at our garage, it's super young. And uh, when you look at the, uh, the garage in general, I'm not just talking about the drivers. The, the whole garage is, is super young. Our drivers are, are different just because of the fact that I can, I can be closer to helping those guys than I can the guys and gals in the garage. But we've kind of let our guard down a little bit, and I think this new car exposed it from a, from a safety side of, of just – the things that we need to make sure that we pay attention to from the, from the driver's side and understanding things. And really what that has made me realize when we first started this process is really how much we've forgotten about the, the little things and the simple things and, and making sure that we educate our, our, our new drivers and our new PR people and our new engineers of, of you know, how this is supposed to work and being able to have some sort of relevance of, of the past and understanding the past. And we've forgotten about some of the simplest, dumbest things that we've ever do and try to say, okay, NASCAR, we need to, we need to help them do this. And they don't know anything about this. And um, you'd be surprised how much, even, even myself, like when we got the new car, I'd, I'd never gotten out of the roof hatch. I'd never gotten out of the right side of the car and being able to practice those things, the simplest things, because we've just taken it for granted for so long with the old car. Well, thank you very much for your time. Good luck this year. Thank you, guys. Grime, friction, wear, destructive words when it comes to an engine. Adding Z-Max Microlubricant to your oil and fuel allows it to soak into metal to disperse harmful carbon deposits. You wouldn't wax a car with dirt on it. Don't run your engine without Z-Max. Help improve performance, reduce emissions, extend engine life, and improve fuel mileage with Z-Max Microlubricant. Get Z-Max today at ZMAX.com or your local auto parts store. Hi, this is PRN's Brett McMillan. You know, you don't spend your life just sitting around, so what you need is PRN's mobile app. By downloading the mobile app, you can listen to our live race broadcast from anywhere. Make sure you don't miss a second of the action from the track. If you download it today, you get station listings and on-demand access to your favorite studio shows like Fast Talk, Pit Reporters, or Garage Packs. Get all the latest racing information at your fingertips with the PRN mobile app. Download today. Available at the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I'm Chase Elliott, and you're listening to Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. Hi, 
this is PRN's Brett McMillan. You know, you don't spend your life just sitting around, so what you need is PRN's mobile app. By downloading the mobile app, you can listen to our live race broadcast from anywhere. Make sure you don't miss a second of the action from the track. If you download it today, you get station listings and on-demand access to your favorite studio shows like Fast Talk, Pit Reporters, or Garage Pass. Get all the latest racing information at your fingertips with the PRN mobile app. Download today. Available at the Apple App Store and on Google Play. Get your NASCAR fix with PRN's Garage Pass. This car puts on really good shows at, you know, mile and a half, two-mile tracks, and I expect nothing less. Obviously, it's not the spot we want to be in. We'd love to have a win by now and feel like we should have, but it's just been one of those seasons where when we have cars good enough to win, we haven't done all the other things right. I feel like it's going to be an opportunity to win. I feel like, you know, it's an opportunity to win at home as well, so want to take advantage of both of those things. Hi, I'm Mark Garrow, tracking the latest racing news every weekday. Fast talk here on PRN. Always fascinating to talk with Kevin Harvick. That interview was part of the NASCAR production days held recently, and we had a chance to sit down and chat with a lot of the different NASCAR Cup Series stars. Brad Gilley, always always a good day when we have a chance to spend a little time with Happy. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, it, the, the wisdom that he can also impart as well. I mean, you think about this. While he didn't start full-time cup racing until 2001, he actually ran his first NASCAR race in 1995 when he was 19 years old. He's been around this for a long time, and he's seen a lot of things and has really just simply become a leader in the garage in a lot of different ways and in more ways than probably we'll ever see or know. Uh, but it is great talking to him and just, um, you know, finding out about what's going on, his views of things, and, and heck, what he can do this upcoming season. David, next up is going to be Chase Elliott, a guy that we've talked about on this show, probably a lock for a future slot in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yeah, Elliott, one of those premier drivers right now at Hendrick Motorsports in the number nine and for me he's he's still the most popular driver in NASCAR he wins the the vote every year and he's probably one of the darlings of the sport it seems that everyone really likes him <laughs> yeah most popular driver I think he can just keep making space for on his shelf for that trophy Brad Gilly you want to set up this little chat that we had a chance to talk with uh, the darling of Dawsonville yeah, definitely. And, and and when you hear the Elliott name, it's not just Chase Elliott, because obviously he has great pedigree coming from Bill Elliott, a NASCAR Hall of Famer in his own right. And when you think about the fact that NASCAR has been a part of Chase Elliott's entire life, well, NASCAR has been a part of a lot of our entire lives in a big, long 75-year history in the sport that we're celebrating this year. So what does Chase Elliott think about when he thinks about 75 years of NASCAR? You're a young man, and you've literally been around this sport your entire life but now we're getting ready to celebrate 75 years so if you can pick out a moment that doesn't involve you on the racetrack that's stuck in your brain there's a lot of moments because my life has has very much revolved around around this sport you know in one way or another whether it be being a kid and following dad up and down the road or you know obviously been fortunate enough to be a part of it now for you know all seven or eight years but it um yeah i mean obviously there's there's snippets of dad's career that i think about you know i, I have a little bit of memories from those last couple wins at, at 
you know, the Brickyard, Pocono, and Rockingham, you know, those those races come to mind. Prior to that, it's all just highlight reels that I've seen on TV, nothing that I really witnessed. You know, my earliest memories were were those Everham days with Dad and, and the success that they had through those through that stretch of time. Um, so firsthand, it would be around that era. Anything prior to that is just things that I've seen on TV like everybody else. I want to, I want to follow up on that. Do you ever get used to the fact that people talk to you about your dad with almost – I sense with a sense of reverence, it seems like? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, he, he certainly had an impact on the sport. Yeah. And, um, you know, being, being in the family, you know, I'm certainly proud of that. You want to try to make those people proud too. And, and um, you know, me being kind of the one – still in the racing world to carry those those um different approaches that they have and they had, they had a bit of a different view on things and and it worked and and it worked in a lot of different ways and, and i think they have a lot to be proud of i'm certainly proud of them i'm proud to be a part of it you know proud to be a part of the family and and just hope that um i can go about my business in a way that uh, would make would make all of them proud too and that's really that's really it for me I'd like to ask you about Allen real quick. I, sure. I have great respect for him. Yeah, I, me I mean, you think about what he's done in his career, coming in as a young rookie crew chief with a, a rookie Kyle Bush and winning in short order, and you know what he did with Jeff Gordon, what he's done with you and other drivers, and all of that. But it almost seems like he flies under the radar in terms of the people that we look up to as some of the greats in our sport. And he's done a lot, including y'all's championship. So, you, just tell us about Allen from the Chase Elliott yeah. perspective, from your side of the fence. Yeah, I mean, I have a ton of respect for him, too. And, and you know, I think he flies under the radar because he doesn't run his mouth a lot. You know, I think there's there's a lot of people that, you know, whether it be get on and, and nothing against it, you know, to each their own. Everybody kind of does their own thing. But, you know, Twitter or have podcasts during the week or go get on NASCAR Race Hub or, you know, or whatever. And, and I think all that's totally fine. Everybody has a different approach and, and method about how they want to go about their business. But he's just – He's just not a guy that, that goes around and talks a lot. And I think because of that, you just don't hear a lot about him. And, and I, I think that he likes that. And, and I think that's okay. And he doesn't, he doesn't need the attention to go do a job and do it well. And he doesn't need the attention to have motivation to want to win and, and to achieve his goals. And I just feel like he's just a guy that has his priorities in order and I have a lot of respect for him. About how he goes about his business, I think he he's a great leader of our team. Um, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from him, you know, at the racetrack and away from the racetrack that I'll carry with me for the rest of my time, you know, in this sport and, and beyond. So um, appreciative of of his approach and appreciative of him, you know, believing in me and and being able to uh, adapt to somebody different like myself. And and you know, I don't drive the car the same way Jeff did, and it was. It was never one of those things, and I think a lot of times you hear about, you know, driver crew chief pairing not working out sometimes, and it wasn't like, hey, we're struggling. Well, Jeff drove it this way. This is how you need to do it. It was, hey, you know, this is how you, this is what's comfortable for you. How can how can I help you to to be at your full potential? And that has always been his approach, and um, I have a I have a great amount of respect for that, and uh, you know, look forward to working with him for you know, another year and, and um, as long as we can, you know, work together, certainly would love to would love to have him on my team. I don't want to race against him. I know that. <laughs> You've been able to trade hometown wins at least, um, but but winning in Daytona for you, 
winning the Daytona 500, what that would do to get him that hometown win in that way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, you know, that's the one that, that uh, I know he wants and, um, you know, would love to would love to help achieve that for him. And, you know, I think he deserves it. You know, we've, we've been close a couple times since I've been around. He's been close with Jeff um, a couple times too. And I'm, I don't remember um, Mark and, and – uh, and Kyle's 500 runs, but none stick out to me. Kyle was young, and, and Mark wasn't really the plate guy. Yeah, so. you know, I, I was going to say none of them really stick out of being close. Yeah. But I remember Jeff having some really good cars down there, and we had a great shot at it in, in 2017. And then um, if we could have just got whoever clicks the caution button to wait about a half a second in, uh, in 2020, we would have had a – we would have checked that box for him then. So, you know – been grateful to have a couple a couple opportunities uh, to win that race and, and hopefully can have some more but you know when you have those opportunities like man how, how many are you going to have because plate races are uh, they're tough to win so we'll see though you know he the good news is uh, he puts a lot of effort into our speedway program always has and and i can i am confident he will continue to do that and uh yeah hopefully have another shot at it and we can get it to fall our way Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-218-4909. 800-218-4909. 800-218-4909. Again, that's 800-218-4909. I'm Eric Jones, and you're listening to Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. He's out of time. Here goes Ross Chastain. He's going to the bottom of the racetrack. Now we've got a half dozen cars sliding through the infield grass. Noah Gregson is fun, but they are still side by side for the lead. Almond Digger's got the advantage on the inside of the turn three. When the NASCAR Cup Series races at Las Vegas, Atlanta, Circuit of the Americas, Bristol, Dover, Charlotte, Sonoma, Nashville Super Speedway, New Hampshire, and Texas, it's right here on PRN, the performance. Racing Network. Almendinger gets jumped out of the way by Kevin Harvick. Harvick goes to P1 with Elliott. Got to give props to NASCAR for setting up NASCAR production days when they allow the TV and radio networks that regularly cover the sport to come in and get 
some quality time with the Cup Series drivers. We got about 17 minutes with each driver. Some of them we did uh, fairly in-depth interviews with, and we'll share those with you on this show and subsequent Fast Talk shows. David, if there was a guy that was involved in headlines and controversy this past year that didn't make the playoffs, it had to be Bubba Wallace. One day we're talking about him winning at Kansas. He gets his first win that wasn't rain-assisted, second career victory. And the next day we're talking about him punting Kyle Larson at a racetrack. He's one of the most polarizing drivers on the circuit right now. And to be at 2311 in the position that he's in and to have a kind of new breath breathed into his career in the middle of the season last year with all the parity that we had, to me, it it looked like he's on the track to rattle off a few more wins. I don't see how you can't be electrified by that and want to go out and do your best. No, and I feel like sometimes fate has dealt Bubba cards that he didn't want to get exactly you know sometimes he's hit 22 on the blackjack table and that's not good uh I'm hoping this year my and my my aspirations for Bubba and that 2311 team are pretty mild make the playoffs Mm -hmm. when we get around to playoff time I want to be talking about Bubba Wallace being one of the 16 I guess sweet sweet 16's trademarked I believe yeah that's NCAA that's a March man I take that I take that back but I I want to see him in that that's that's all Win a race or two, but get to the playoffs. Brad, is that a fair measuring stick before we actually hear from Bubba to to for the first time in his Cup career to be a playoff driver? Uh, no, I I think he's at that point where he needs to be a playoff driver. I mean, he's been in this sport for quite some time, and he's really done a lot. Even if you go back and look at what he did in the Xfinity series and multiple wins that he had in the Truck series, uh, and now, uh, like you said, a two-time winner in Cup, but also the win that he got at Kansas Speedway was pretty spectacular in the way that he did that. All right, and Brad, we had a chance to chat with Bubba down at NASCAR Media Day. You want to set up what folks are about to hear? Yeah, you know, Bubba started the season as the runner-up in the Daytona 500, did not get another top-five finish until race 20 of the season at New Hampshire, where he finished third. But that really set up a great run for him. And even though they weren't in the playoffs when it came to playoff time, that team definitely stepped up. As pundits and people that cover the sport, we like to look at things and look for trends and declare things whether they're real or not. But it seems like after that race, there was an uptick in performance Mm -hmm. that – after that, you were a fixture in the top 10 and the top five mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the season yep. and created a nice – what did, – did something happen or was this just an evolution of everything that had happened before? Uh, evolution. Uh, like I said, the speed was there all year long. We just couldn't get off pit road or get into wrecks, bad strategy call, uh, loose wheels, you know, whatever it may be. Um, that those things put us so deep in the field and it kept happening so often all the way up until new hampshire then after that it was like basically a come to jesus meeting with ourselves and it's like let's get our stuff together here we know we can run well and 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 there it went so you know people think we did things different and it's like no it's just finally executing doing what we're supposed to do and so you know it helped me in those moments realize like hey man this isn't really a good day let's make it a great one you know, the car doesn't feel that great. You stick through it. Like, that was a big learning moment for me. Uh, and it helped me throughout the rest of the season. But finally, we were able to just clean up our mistakes and give ourselves a chance. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to run good when you don't give yourself a chance. 
I don't remember where on the timeline this was. I feel like it was a, a decent enough time after, but when you and C. Bell ended up swapping a couple of pit crew members. That was the, the week before. It was, oh, it was that close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like, again, first reaction people was like, well, what did Christopher Bell do to get a couple of Bubba's guys? And, and I'm not yes. insulting him. Right. But, but speak of the teamwork of that and the chemistry and what really makes a difference. Yeah, 100%. I thought, you know, our, the group that I originally started with, young, hardworking group, uh, a lot of, of first-timers uh, in the Cup Series, which that's a tall task within itself, you know. Uh, there's no way I can ever probably walk in their shoes for sure. Um, and so a lot of mistakes came with that. And, you know, I got, I got into the, the media about, you know, saying my pit crew sucked, and, and that was a heat-of-the-moment type reference. But at the end of the day, I'm a real guy. When, when I show up to a road course – four years ago, five years ago, who sucked? I did. And I was the first one to call it out. And if you said I sucked, I'd be like, you're exactly right, you know? And learning on how that kind of could tear Yeah, that first roble wasn't great. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> hey, I'm in the history books. I moved the wall. <laughs> um, but, you know, we weren't good. We, we kept making mistakes. Simple as that. We were not good. And it wasn't from a lack of effort. It wasn't because we didn't care. It just – mistakes just happened. And we couldn't seem to find our way. So it's like, okay, let's switch things up and get a fresh start. Seabell goes out and wins the next week. And it's like, all right, you know, what are the chances? That's, that's great, great for them. I went up to them in victory lane and said, congratulations. Like, keep working your, your tails off. Um, you know, our guys, the, the new set of guys was a little bit more experienced and kind of cleaned up a little bit of things and kept us in the hunt. You know, it seems like both teams at that time found peace, found something like this works. And both teams, we both, you know, that was that was big. So um, Seabell went on to, you know, become a contender in the top four, final four there. So I thought that was big for that crew. That was my crew. And I was standing there cheering them on every time. That was cool. So I'm curious now, how does Bubba Wallace feel when he pulls in to the infield at a at a road course? Uh, I laugh. And, uh, you know, Booty, Booty has – he's like, man, I don't know what you talk about. You don't suck. You run good. Like, look at – we finished fourth at Indy. Mm -hmm. you know, that was chaos, but we survived. Usually I'm a part of the chaos, right? Uh, we stayed out of trouble. Um, finished fourth there. Then we finished seventh, eighth, something at the Roval. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other four races we had mechanical failures. Running decent. I was say, I feel like Sonoma, you actually. Sonoma blew up before I even started. Yeah. That, blew there up was, on like slap seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I beat the traffic out of there to start the off weekend early. <laughs> but uh, all, all four, all the other road courses, we loose wheels, brakes, or blown motor. And so we have nothing to stand for there. But our last two went really well. And so the thing I have found is, Bob, I need you to go run a minute 12, 35. By yourself. Good luck. No chance. Bubba, in this race, I need you to run a minute. To, oh, I'll get there. I'll figure it out because I'm going to follow this guy for about five laps. Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Got it. But you put me out there by myself, I am – is this a left turn or a right turn? I have no idea. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, I asking you what, what all the shift points are at Circuit of the Americas, you're probably not the right guy. <laughs> what gear are you in where? No chance. No chance. You know, doing the Xfinity race – uh, at Coda was actually a lot of fun uh, until we had transmission issues. Um, 
but that helped out a lot. But still, like in practice, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But then in the race, we drove right up to top three. And so it's like, all right, I kind of have a reference of a little bit, just piecing it all together. All right, cliche question. What will make you happy in 2023 on, on the track with the performance yeah. of this race team? I think just hit the resume button uh, from the end of last season. Um, you know, no need to start over. Just pick back up where we left off. Um, we were really, really strong to close out the season. Uh, had a ton of speed. Um, and now, you know, at this point last year, I mean, I think I don't even know if they announced that we're racing a new car yet. <laughs> I think it was like the day before the clash. It's like, hey, by the way, here's a new car. But we didn't know a damn thing about the car. And so we went to the clash with total missed setup, got in by this, you know, skin of our teeth. And it's like, man, okay. And we were not good. Uh, it took us four or five races to figure out a little bit of what this car needed. Um, and that continues to evolve, obviously. But when we started hitting on something, even when the braces were bad and not getting finishes, we were fast. And it's like, okay, I know if we can clean things up. You'll see races like Kansas. And and that's that's what we want to continue to do. So Booty and I went to lunch yesterday, actually, just kind of getting prepped for the season. And where I'm at is, you know, it was in such a, a, a trench for the last – 2015 16 till you know 2022 or 2021 and um, you know not knocking anybody that was just the circumstances that's the cards I was dealt we tried to make the most of everything and sometimes it was good enough for 25th but when you would have those good races you know it was like oh man great job like you finished seventh like yeah thanks now I think we're at the point where it's like I don't really expect a text after a good finish of seventh. I told Booty, I like, I think we don't need to prove ourselves anymore. I always felt like a little bit of urge of that, like, oh, you got to go out and prove yourself. You got to go mm -hmm. out every race. You got to prove yourself. You got to go out and try to lead every lap. And, you know, Michigan, I was so hard on myself. Because I was going to say, everyone was like, in Michigan, I was like, what's he so mad about? I yeah. Mean <laughs> I knew that was like the moment for me. Our car was so fast and that we could have won that race and been in the playoffs from all the turmoil that we went through at the beginning of the season, like that was our shot and it didn't happen. Um, and so, you know, getting out of the car, finishing second, you know, not acting like that, but pissed off, sure, whatever, but take it like, hey, second, it's good. Continue to run second each and every week, get a couple wins, like no more proving yourself. You've proven yourself. Now go out and race and be consistent with it. You wash the outside, clean the inside, and make sure maintenance is up to date. Hamper your car's engine and fuel system by adding Z-Max Microlubricant. Using the fluids as a carrier to reach internal parts, Z-Max literally soaks into metal, dispersing harmful carbon buildup. This helps improve performance, extend engine life, and reduce emissions. Get Z-Max today at ZMAX.com or your local auto parts store. Make your plans now to stay at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa next March when NASCAR returns to Las Vegas. They have great race ticket and room packages for you to choose from. The South Point also features a wide variety of excellent dining options at 11 different restaurants. Or you can enjoy the 16-screen movie complex and visit the 64-lane bowling center. Visit southpointcasino.com and make your reservations today. Stay with the racers. Stay at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. I'm Austin Dillon, and you're listening to Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. 
Paul Shad in Charlotte with Kathy Martindale in Nashville here on Z-Max Racing Country. Going to Nashville, Kathy and Thomas Ray. Dirk Bentley said that your album blew his mind. That's probably one of the highest compliments you could get. Yeah, if Dirk likes it, then you know that hopefully some people are going to like it. We're so proud of bringing you the best singers in country music and the biggest stars in NASCAR. Z-Max Racing Country. Music from the fast From the Granite State of New Hampshire down through North Carolina and all the way to California, the Speedway Motorsports Incorporated footprint is truly national. That's your engine! This is Bristol. Hey, drivers, light these bad boys up! From zero to wow. We've got a car in trouble, and these guys will bring out a caution. Fans are on their feet. SMI action is never-ending. On a later show leading up to the Bush Clash at the L.A. Coliseum, we'll hear from Joey Logano. We also uh, had an in-depth interview with Austin Sendrick, the defending champion of the Daytona 500. You'll hear along with several other drivers that we had a chance to talk to in-depth. It is time now for this little weekly feature. It's time for another edition of Green Flag, Black Flag. America's favorite game and... Very simple rules here. We read a statement. Our panel listens to the statement. They think it over. And if they agree with the statement, they give it a green flag, which sounds a little bit like this. And if they disagree, it gets a black flag. That simple. Here we go. We'll start out with Doug Rice this time around. Eric Jones and Noah Gregson will both have wins in 2023. Green flag. Why not? Eric Jones, I feel very confident in. Uh, Noah may get lucky at one of these so-called what used to be plate races and win one of those. So I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be positive and say green flag. All right, David Styles, what do you think? Uh, I'll go green flag as well. Why not? I mean, it. They have seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson over there and another seven-time champion Richard Petty. So they know how to win. Why not? All right. How about it, Brad Gilly? Black flag. Oh. Yes, on Eric Jones, but I do not think either of our two rookies will win a race this year. Huh. All right. Brad is always different sometimes. He comes at it from a different angle. There you go. That's what we pay him for. All right, we'll start this time with David Stiles. NASCAR Hall of Fame should switch to a system where members are inducted by a percentage of votes instead of having a set number of three go in each year. What do you think, David Stiles? I'm going to say black flag. I like the way that it is right now for a couple of reasons. One of those is I think that compared to other sports, we're still relatively young. I mean, 1950-ish. And I feel like if we put a whole lot of people in at one time, or if you go off of just percentages of, you know, where you have to get to this certain percentage of votes, then we may have a couple of classes that are leaner than other classes. And I kind of like, you know, dividing the different pioneers of the sport up so that you have a chance for everyone to get in. Would that work, Brad Gilly? I would say green flag. 
Um, I look at it this way. I still like having the pioneer ballot where we make sure we, uh, you know, recognize old timers. But I think a percentage of votes um, probably changes the mentality of the way people vote. And people are going to vote first for who they think should go in. Um, And then if they feel like it, maybe they vote for someone who they think deserves a feel good vote. But other halls of fame like baseball, 75 percent of the votes, you could have up to 10 in there. Football. 80% 80% of the votes for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think if you went to percentage of votes, we could end up maybe getting four or five in any year. Maybe some years we get in two, but I think that's a, a more equitable way of doing it, in my opinion. Would it work, Doug? My fear on this, I'm going to say black flag because my fear is kind of the opposite of where Brad is going. I think you could have a year that nobody would get in, yeah. except, your, except your pioneer because – Having been in that room and listening to the discussions, these people aren't thinking about who deservedly gets in. A lot of the voters have an agenda of who they want to see in the Hall of Fame. And whoever deservedly get in, be damned, they're going to vote how they want to vote. And I could easily see them not making that threshold unless the threshold was like 30% of the vote. Because I know for a fact, half of the people that are in the NASCAR Hall of Fame got in with less than 50% of the vote. Hmm. All right, Brad Gilly gets this one first. Final question. NASCAR will add an additional street course in 2024. Green flag, but I don't think it'll be a points-paying race. Okay, that's simple. Doug Rice. I think they will. I'm I'm going to put on my Karnak hat here and predict that the crowds for the Chicago race, weather allowing good weather there in Chicago, are going to be enormous and – NASCAR's just going to get giddy drunk off of that and say, look at all that. Let's get some more. Give me some more of that. All right, David Stiles. Let's make it three of a kind, green flag. Um, I'm in the same vein as Doug. I think that if it we go there and it pays off, which I think it will. I mean, history has shown that when we go to new events, L.A. Coliseum, Bristol Dirt, the fans are really uh, vibrant for that or they're hungry for it. And so – I think that it'll be a success. All right, Doug Rice, that's green flag, black flag. All right, thanks a lot. Coming up, one last thing. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-472-5145-800-472-5145-800-472-5145. That's 800-472-5145. I'm Denny Hanlon, and you're listening to Fast Talk on the Performance Racing Network. Hey, I'm Corley Joy for Speedway Children's Charities. The mission for Speedway Children's Charities has remained true since its founding almost 40 years ago. To care for children in educational, financial, social, and medical needs 
in order to help them lead happy and productive lives. So many children have benefited from our group in the past, but we need your help now more than ever. Our local chapters are more than just fundraisers. They are partners in change, working with a broad range of people and organizations to help children in their communities. Want to make a real difference in a child's life? Start by heading to speedwaycharities.org today. Make a donation, volunteer, or attend one of the dozen fundraising events we host at our chapters. There's so much we can do when we all join together. So let's start today. Again, visit speedwaycharities.org to learn more. I thank you in advance for your help. Here we are wrapping up another edition of Fast Talk. Thanks a lot to Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, and Kevin Harvick for the gift of their time. And it is time now for this little feature. One last thing. All right. We can sum up uh, thoughts on racing or the universe in general. David Stiles. I'll pick universe in general. Okay, Alex, good. for 200. 600. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, growing up, uh, probably... I saw this a lot. People leaving their shopping carts everywhere. And and with the rain this weekend, I know I've seen a lot of it. People are like, well, it's raining. I'm not going to take my cart back. It's just so much easier to take the cart back, I feel like. And that's a social contract between us and everybody else. And it's probably my biggest pet peeve. And if you're willing to skimp on that, what else are you willing to skimp on? So I feel like if, if you're not willing to just do that social contract of doing that small thing right, then you know what 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 else are you willing to to do that's wrong amen brother just take your shopping cart back it makes everybody else's life a little bit easier and it helps those teenage kids working at the harris teeter makes their life a little bit easier Publix in daytona beach is like driving through a landmine field it's just it's just horrible brad gilly well i i want to congratulate you our producer kent bernhardt mark garrow and really the entire prn team because the national motorsports press association gave out their awards for uh work that had been done throughout the 2022 season and all told out of uh 12 different possible awards available over four categories prn was able to grab eight of them and in addition doug rice you got broadcaster of the year kent got producer of the year and doug actually was also honored with the john little john award which is contributions to the national motorsports press association again i know i know you and ken are very humbled but very honored but um someone's got to brag on you guys for that because that is really special and uh and well earned well deserved well thanks a lot brad i can honestly and truthfully say that none of us would be receiving awards if it wasn't for the brilliance of our producer and my longtime friend kent bernhardt kent it's magic he takes what we do and uh turns it into art he is he is the ultimate potter in the sense he can take clay and make really pretty things about it i do want to mention the inductees into the national motorsports press association four people got in they were all there in person and able to give their acceptance speeches it was a really nice night shirley mull downey what a hoot for 82 years old this gate this gal is electric she still has the dream of setting the world and speed record scott pruitt great race car driver can drive anything with four wheels and looks incredible uh, the great uh, correspondent Dick Berggren. Uh, Dick made his bones in both print and television. Wonderful speech last night. And Frank Kimmel, the king, the undisputed king of the ARCA series, 
And I don't like Frank because it doesn't look like he's aged a day. So congratulations <laughs> to these four new members of the NASCAR Motorsports Press Association Hall of Fame. All very well-deserving and glad to see them get in. We are counting down, of course, in another less than two weeks now to the clash at the L.A. Coliseum. On the next show, we'll hear from the defending champion, Joey Logano, and a lot of other notables. And you know where to find us. We'll be back here next week with a whole bunch more Fast Talk. Fast Talk was presented by Toyota. Let's go places. And Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Is it the best Coke ever? Try it today. This is PRN, the Performance Racing Network.